is Encounters with Jesus with Dr. Ellie Gonzalez and Malcolm Pollard. Brought to you by Good News Unlimited, taking you through the life of Jesus in a powerful and practical way. So Ellie, today you want to talk about this guy who was lowered down through the roof, right? Is that the story? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a burglar. Interesting encounter with Jesus. <laughs> um, sounds like a burglar, does it, doesn't he? Um, um, I live in, a, in a, a unit now, an apartment, but I always remember being in a house, you know, and I'd lock the windows and all that, and I would, I'd always have in the back of my mind, why bother? Anyone can just climb up and remove <laughs> a few tiles and come down through the roof. Yeah. True. Anyway, look, the basic story is that uh, Jesus was in a house teaching, and uh, there were the, some Pharisees and teachers of the law, religious leaders sitting nearby listening, mm. and some men came to to bring a friend of theirs who was paralysed. They were carrying him on, on a mat and they wanted to bring him to Jesus so Jesus would heal him. And they tried to get him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't get through the crowd that was inside mm. the house. You see, Jesus is teaching inside a house. So tell me, Ellie, what, what were the houses like back then? Yeah, well, I always thought that they were uh, a bit like the houses today and that the roofs had tiles on them. And it's true that some houses in parts of the world back then did have tiles. But houses in Galilee, we know uh, what they were like, and particularly the roofs. So typically the roofs would have wooden beams across the top. And then they'd fill in the gaps in between with branches and then with straw and then they'd put plaster across the top. And so they were pretty sturdy. And people would actually, you know, hang their washing up there or sunbake or whatever they did, but they used their roofs like like an extra room. Houses back then were pretty small, nothing like our houses. In the main area of the house, you could probably fit 15 people standing shoulder to shoulder, listening to Jesus as he was teaching. It's quite funny. And normally the teacher would sit because everyone respected him and everyone else would stand up. But here in this story, you have the Pharisees who are sitting, so they're not standing for Jesus. They're, sure. you know, because they right. think they're more important than yeah, him. It's a little, yep, yep. little detail. And so Jesus is sitting down. And Jesus would probably be teaching in a wealthier person's house because there'd be more space. So mm-hmm. maybe, uh, you know, 30 people could fit in there. But it's crowded. So you can, if you imagine the scene, these uh, friends of the paralyzed man, they're carrying the stretcher, carrying him on his sleeping mat, actually. It's not a stretcher. It's the same mat that he would sleep on. If you go to India or in the Middle East, they, yep. poor people still sleep on things like this. And uh, just, they just picked him up off his bedroom and, and, and carried him, sure. you know, with bed and all. And they can't come in because of all the people. And, of course, they take a lot of space with the stretcher. So they're ingenious. They climb up and they haul the paralysed man up. Now, the roofs of houses back then wouldn't have been as high as, as our houses, so it would have mm. been easier for them to climb up. And so Jesus is teaching and, and suddenly, you know, daylight starts to appear and, and bits of straw and rubble and plaster, I don't know, leaves and branches start to fall down and, and everyone looks up wondering what's going on. And suddenly this man on a mat starts to come down, lowered down by ropes. When the man lands, well, he's just come from outer space, when yeah. the man lands, Jesus says to him, young man, your sins are forgiven, which is bizarre. It's not what the man wanted, is it? He wanted to be healed. Yeah. Right? I mean, he probably hadn't gone to Jesus with the idea, oh, my sins are going to be forgiven today. There's a chance. Fantastic. He wanted to be healed. But these Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law, they say to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sin. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesus knows what they're thinking. So he asks them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Is it easy to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man, that's what he called himself, has the authority on earth to forgive sins. 
And Jesus, he turned to the paralyzed man and he says, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat and went home praising God. Mm. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe and they praised God too, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today, as you would. Now this, this happens very early on in Jesus' ministry. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law still uh, trying to suss Jesus out, still trying to wonder what, what is going on. They've seen Jesus cast out demons. They've seen Jesus heal people. They've seen, you know, they've heard of Jesus having power over nature by that stage perhaps, but they haven't seen Jesus forgive sin. This is absolutely shocking for them. And by forgiving the man's sin, Jesus is claiming to do something that only God can do. That's why it's so startling. And immediately the Pharisees and the teachers of the law recognise that Jesus is claiming to be God. You know, I've met these people, even professed Christians, professed, because you can't be a Christian without believing that Jesus is God. That's a fundamental core belief of Christianity, right? was from the start. If people didn't believe that Jesus was God, there wouldn't have been any Christianity. We'd all just be Jews. Sure. But I've heard people say, oh, no, Jesus never claimed to be God. Right? He was just a great teacher and you know, he never actually claimed to be God. The Christian church turned him into God. And so I've heard these things. Mm, okay. These are usually non-Christians that say this. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is claiming to be God within that culture you know, in so many ways throughout the, the Gospels. And, and this is probably the first time that Jesus claims to be God in a public way. I want to just focus in on this question that Jesus asks when he asks, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? What do you reckon, Malcolm? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly it would probably logically be easier to say my sins are forgiven than stand up and walk because I physically couldn't. If I said to you your sins are forgiven and you were paralysed, could anyone know if your sins were forgiven, if I had any power to do anything? Probably not. No. Because it's a very internal thing. Exactly. But if I say to you, pick up your mat and walk, and you've never walked because you're paralysed, and you pick up your mat and walk, now that'd be harder to say, wouldn't it? Because Absolutely. You, because something's got to happen. Yep. And so this is Jesus' logic here, right? Effectively, what he's saying is, I said the hard thing first, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> <laughs> your sins are forgiven. And now I'm going to prove to you that I have power to forgive sins, that I can do the thing that is invisible by doing something that is physical. Mm-hmm. Remember, in the Bible, and particularly in the ministry of Jesus, his miracles are always signs. They're physical and visible signs of the supernatural, miraculous work that we can't see, mm-hmm. the work that he does in people's lives, the salvation that he brings. And so that's exactly how it works here in that Jesus logic. So he proves his ability to forgive sins by giving the Pharisees and, and the teachers of the law a visible sign. He heals him. I think another really interesting thing about this is before anyone asks him anything, he forgives the sins of this paralysed man. What does that tell you? He pretty much knows what's best for us. Yeah, I think what this is telling us is that Jesus knows what we need the most and that when you come to him, he'll give you what you need the most and not necessarily what you ask for. Sure. I think that this is really important because God isn't some fairy godmother that we come to him and say, we need healing. Mm-hmm. Here's my list. Here's my list. He isn't our celestial waiter. You know, I need more money. And then because he doesn't provide the money, we no longer like God, right? We cease to believe. We cease to be faithful. The issue is that God knows what we need the most and what area of our Far life. Far more than we do ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. What area of our life he needs to, to work on. And 
Christianity, to be a Christian, is essentially to surrender your life to God, which means you, you are trusting him to do for you what he knows you need the most. Mm-hmm. And he's quite happy, he's very happy for you to ask him because every time you ask God for help, you're basically saying to him, um, look, I'm trusting you for my needs. But implicit in that, you're also saying to him, God, you know best, and if you're not going to give me this, it's okay with me. If you're not going to heal me from cancer, it's okay with me because you're doing another mighty work in my life that I don't understand, but I'm going to keep being faithful to you, and I know that I have an eternal reward. So I think we've got to be careful as Christians not to put the cart before the horse. You know, we, we like to say and remember that God looks at the heart and not at the externals. And that's good, isn't it? Mm, of course. But because God looks at the heart, he deals with the heart first. And he isn't always so immediately concerned with the externals. You know, if our heart is right, the rest will be right. From the inside From out rather than yeah. the other way around. Exactly. But note that in the story, Jesus is powerful. Jesus is good. He heals the man. So I'm not saying that there aren't miracles even today. But the focus is first on our need to be right with God, mm. on our need for forgiveness. Every other blessing follows when we're right with God. And the point that Jesus was making is that Jesus is God and that he can forgive sin. I just really like how much these friends of this guy, this paralysed guy, loved him, loved him enough to wreck someone else's house <laughs> <laughs> and to be really rude about it, you know. <laughs> And not just barge through the crowd, but to barge through the building, literally. So like, so, sorry to interrupt. Uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> no. Bold in that. This is desperation, right? Yeah. Desperation to get before Jesus. Just desperation to bring your friends before Jesus. I don't know. Have you got that kind of desperation to come before Jesus right now? Or are you waiting for the weekend, you know, for your church service? Mm. Right? Because I'm sure this wasn't on a weekend. This wasn't in a church service. This was in the house. We're talking about daily life. Yeah. What barriers are you prepared to break through? What walls, what ceilings to get before Jesus? Because the most important thing is to be before Jesus because when you come before Jesus, he forgives, he accepts, and he heals because, and this is the most important lesson that he wanted to teach those religious leaders and those people who are watching, he wants to teach us today. He's God, and that's what he does, Mm. and that's his business, to accept, to forgive, and to heal. Encounters with Jesus with Dr. Ellie Gonzalez and Malcolm Pollard. Brought to you by Good News Unlimited. To receive GNU's unlimited daily devotional email, visit goodnewsunlimited.com.